Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Blog Talk Radio. Penultimate time this offseason before we get to training camp. Welcome in. Another episode. Turn Show Radio. It's your boy 3K. Forgot to tweet this out. Let me go ahead and do that since we're doing this live. In here in the studio, <laughs> Robbo and Mysen. What's going on, boys? What's going on? What's happening? What's happening? Getting it done. About to welcome on Joey O to the show. Joey O'Coin joining us late because he is making, quote, complicated burgers. I need answers. <laughs> what do you guys it think complicated good. burgers are? Uh, I'm, oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm trying to think because I, I read that in the uh, in the show sheet. And I'm thinking complicated burgers. What? How how complicated did it get? Like you, know, you just stuffing these burgers with cheese or something, or you just is it the accoutrement which makes it complicated? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't even imagine. The most complicated burger I ever made, I was like 10 or 9, and it was my sister's birthday, and I'm, what? she was obsessed with Mickey Mouse, so I made Mickey Mouse burger, shake burgers, and they kept <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> that was the most complicated burger I ever made. <laughs> I do like the fact that Myson's culinary complications peaked at age 9. Age 9. <laughs> wait, wait. Just gave it up. It's better than bait, though, because he still hasn't peaked, right? Oh, oh, poor Brandon. My son out there on MasterChef Junior, and then just hanging up the hanging up the apron, boys. I'm done. It's all downhill from here. Welcome to another show, Turn Show Radio. Uh, hanging out with yours truly, Joe McAtee, at three K underscore. Joined tonight by Robbo, Rob Forehand. I always forget, Bobby. hold on, let me bring it up, which one it is, because I, I always get confused by which Twitter we're dealing with. It's at Seattle Rams, one word, underscore NFL. Robert Forehand, what's up, Robbo? Well, you know, there's a reason why you're confused, because for years it was at Seattle Rams. Pretty easy, pretty straightforward, right? And then uh, the mystery Twitter banning effect uh, went in. My account was banned, and tell me why it was banned, and... Eventually, weeks later, someone told me why, and uh, they told me I had to change my Twitter handle because uh, that that was it. So I just added the underscore NFL so people know I'm talking about football. But So that's it, at Seattle Rams underscore NFL on Twitter. Hooligan, joining us along with this miscreant and myself, Myson Adiasor. You can find him, of course, Mighty or Myson, M-I-S-O-N-E, on Twitter. Yes, sir. What's up, Mice? What's happening? What's happening? And of course, it's been an interesting last couple hours. Is it, uh, why's that? Hold on, let's get it. Let's get it. Well, for one, I'm back in Missouri, 
And for two, <laughs> just everything that's happened with the Rams uh, lately with, yeah. You know, we got a lot to talk about. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. And, of course, fourth yeah. man of the crew joining us late, Complicated Burgers himself, Mr. Joey O'Coin, L.A. Rams, Rams, Rams <laughs> on Twitter. What's up with Complicated? Real quick, just my Complicated Burgers, all right? So it was a Blue Apron meal. I got the uh, got the bowl of, uh, I think it was garlic, breadcrumbs, nice. shredded sure. mushrooms, and then we also had some um, some Westchester sauce in there and sure. mixed up the burgers. And then we had to just we put in a saute pan, and then I had a um, it wanted me to put oil on um, saute pan, which I thought burned too quickly. Then at the same time, I had to uh, glaze some onions in the oven, which was... Um, so this was the complication. You know, so many things system. going on at one time. And I also had to marinate some cabbage, guys. So, um, you know, I was a minute late. So that's what happened. But you were one minute late. So everybody was sure. <laughs> but it's good to be here, boys. Yeah. yeah. You marinated well, cabbage. Marinated cabbage. That's that's definitely a complicated burger. But wait, hey, wait till you step it up a notch and make Mickey Mouse shaped burgers. Now that's when you become a chef. That's when you join the likes of Wolfgang Puck and Lulu Lefebvre's making your burgers as cartoon characters. You live in the good life then, especially when you're nine years old. That's a very that will short off some artsy skills, you know. Next up, it was the beginning of the, of the end. <laughs> Next next course, foie gras a la SpongeBob SquarePants. I love it. But it's been an interesting week for America. We have to start with the summit heard around the world with a, a narcissist who uses the media to exploit his base audience's commitment to his fealty. I'm talking, of course, about the summit in Tuscaloosa, Nick Saban, SEC Media Days, right? That's all anybody's been talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's no. what everybody's talking about. I don't know if you guys saw it today. My, my favorite quote from Nick Saban at SEC Media Days talked about the media creating a quarterback controversy after he pulled his quarterback in the middle of the national championship. This man is a hero to children and a god among men. <laughs> a hero to children and a god among men. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. I love Nick Saban. I love him. I love him for what he does, you know what? what he says. Go ahead, Mike. Take it away. You know what? Nick Saban, at this point, has earned the right to be uh, as willingly <laughs> oblivious to the truth as he wants to be. But at the end of the day, we all know the controversy is uh, real, <laughs> even though it should be it. one. It should be one hundred percent. It should be two e all the way. But that's neither here nor there. Nick Saban is. I just, just need uh, to get. Nick I need to get like, to that Nick point Saban in my is life. Like LeBron James. He's like a LeBron James. He likes to play, you know, with the media a lot and then play victim and then yeah. throw it back at him. He does that a lot. He's a, he's a true troll. Uh, yeah, that's what I need to do. In my, I need to go to a point where I'm doing something and blaming other people for it. Like, wait a second. <laughs> Why did you make me get that sandwich for lunch? And people can be like, I didn't even know you. I didn't know you had lunch already. I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Well, this is classic you, know you making sandwiches. me get the avocado. You know how I feel about sandwiches. I love me a good sandwich. Oh, good Lord. Speaking of sandwiches, Pogba, Mbappe, the World Cup's finished. 
I know we talked about this last time. We finished it off Robo. Final, final thoughts on the World Cup, man. Oh, you don't want you don't want my take because I was I was a little I was a little bummed. I was I was majorly bummed. I was on Team Croatia early, yeah. early, 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 uh, and I did not want to see France. Uh, oh, I did not want to see them. Uh, they did, uh, but you know it was still a great run. It was a great run by, by, by both squads, actually. Uh, you have that young, exciting, fun squad uh, going against the five foot, five inch, 110 pound Marlboros red smoking Croatian national team. Uh, did this, you know, all those extra minutes they played kind of caught, caught up with them a little bit there. Um, and then, okay. yeah, uh, a couple couple mistakes early, cost them, got got behind, and it just caught up, caught up with them. But yeah. Tosa, he was pretty proud. It was so I, I, I was, I was, I was big on the Croatia, Croatia team. But I'm glad it's over because I'm not getting up at Odak 30 watching soccer uh, anymore. So that, that's a good thing. Now we're a week away from Rams training camp. It's a good way to spend the the dead season of, of NFL by you know watching World Cup soccer. So that was yeah. that was perfect timing. Just have it end, and, and we're ready to go with some with some bigger and better things now. True story. Ratings for the World Cup final were down 32 percent. Not true story. It was because of Colin Kaepernick. Joey, uh, any movies that we need to cover before we get into the good stuff? Well, um, I'm I'm excited for uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Which okay, is coming out in a couple weeks. I like I like Mr. Okay. Tom Cruise. It'd be good. But uh, no, other than that, just uh, just just get ready for football. Sure. Get get, get that hype train of all those uh, you know your uh, your Justin Lawler. Uh, Jerseys, got to get them uh, ready for for Irvine. Is Henry Cavill going to play Justin Lawler in the made-for-TV movie? <laughs> with a uh, with a CGI'd upper lip. Justin Lawler out there punching through his button-down, getting ready for D-line fights. Love it. Um, well, that's about it for the non-football stuff. Myson mentioned we got a lot of football stuff that happened. We're a week out from training camp, a week from tomorrow. Things get going. We got Monday, the rookies come in town. Wednesday, the veterans get going. And on Thursday, we get the first practice of training camp. But before we even got there this week, we had a big deal that happened for the Rams and a big deal that didn't happen for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's start with the Rams deal. Uh, They extended Brandon Cooks on a five-year contract extension that kicks in after this year. So that'll get him for 19, 20, 21, 22, and 2023 a full three years after the yep. new CBA. That's a big deal, man. I, I, there's a lot to break down. Uh, who wants to go first? I'll open up the floor. Whew. <laughs> That's about right. That's about right. Whew. 80, 80 million, right? 80 million. If you include this year, they got them uh, six years, 88. Really quick, really quick, really Ooh. quick. Who the hell saw this coming? Uh, I did last week. Uh, we talked. We talked on the. We talked about Brandon Cook. About, yeah. about extending Brandon somebody. Coming? No, no, no. Just extending somebody. But no, if Brandon Cooks, sixteen five a year, something like that. Is what the, Not the numbers. We talked about Brandon Cooks a couple of episodes ago. I, th- I talked about the fact that I thought Brandon Cooks was a surefire extension. I would not have guessed these numbers, and certainly not the amount guaranteed. Right now, it sounds like it's just. 20 million guarantee, but we got to fill in some details and we got to fill in the year to year details. But I think extending Brandon Cooks was expected. I think it's the terms of the deal to this point that maybe were a bit surprising, no? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's a lot of cheddar. 
for it to happen this year, yes, was the surprising part for me. Um, not let me not say this year. For it to happen right now was the surprising mm-hmm. part for me. You know, um, it was like you know, I don't think anyone really saw it coming in the Rams. I guess if it, if it's gonna happen, then it, uh, just going by the Rams' pedigree, it makes sense that it happened now, considering the fact that if you look at their track record, they get a lot of the deals done that like that week before training camp. You know, that's kind of what their history has been, you know. Um, with the deal with Robert Quinn, his was done that week, uh, so was Tavon Austin. And yeah. that, they, they they seem to get those – they seem to get deals done that week before training camp pretty often. So uh, it makes sense as far as their pedigree, but the player is what's kind of surprising. You know, I, I just didn't see it coming. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> and then you then you kind of dig into the dollars, and it's like, oh, wow. They really, they really went all out. They paid them like one of the top uh, seven or eight receivers in the league, you know, and that was the part that shocked me, you know, $81 million over five years. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, uh, and there's a 20, 20 and a half fully guaranteed uh, at the signing and $50 million guaranteed uh, total, you know, so shit. <laughs> I still can't say those numbers with, without being like, what? <laughs> You know, so it's 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 the shock of uh, I guess multiple things the the player the timing the Rams kind of falling in line and just paying receivers you know what the market is paying receivers right now so right I know Todd Gurley and uh, Aaron Donald are over there look, licking their chops like uh, if they're gonna pay me then they they they're gonna have to kick it out <laughs> so we'll see how it goes but it was definitely a shock for me what do you think about it Joey Well you know who really saw this coming. New England. That's why they they traded them is because they didn't want to. They don't believe in right. paying a, a wide receiver like Brandon Cooks fifty million dollars guaranteed. At least that's that that's what what they're communicating to the trade. Because here's a guy who is twenty four years old. He's been traded by two teams, and it, it, that made me a little bit hesitant when the trade happened in the first place because I was thinking like, is this guy? Is there something up that we don't know about him? Well, you know, he's so talented. Why are they trading him? And I think when you see this contract, you're like, well, yeah, you have to be willing to to swallow this contract for, 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 for you to have him. And I think the Rams were. And, I, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, 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 think, um, I, I think I'm going to be happy with this because the more I think about the year that we had with Sammy Watkins, I just I, – I really – Grade. And, <laughs> you know, uh, what he did on the field, it, it was without the ball. You know, like he was, he was, he was getting a lot of double coverage. He was, he was getting a lot of attention. But, I mean, he had a couple games that were great. But Brandon Cooks has all of his games are great. You know, like if you look at his numbers, the guy is consistent and he's legit. And I just felt like if you got a number one receiver – you, you you want him to be there every single game, and I feel like that's what you're going to get with all that money. You're going to get a guy that you can count on. I just I, I'm curious to see how this changes the role of Robert Woods, but that's another story. But I, I'm all in. I'm happy about it. I was you know, a little I bit surprised. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm going to I think oftentimes you know, and I, I know I've seen this around the site a lot after the trade for Brandon Cooks is 
and you hear people say this a lot is, oh, well, you know, what's what's something that we don't know? Why is he traded so often, you know, for if he's this good, the, why does he keep moving? Yeah, we see the three consecutive seasons of like over 1,000 yards and 1,100 yards and all this stuff, but why does he keep getting moved? Well, you kind of have to look at the whole thing, and I think sometimes we make a story out of something that doesn't really exist. You know, we kind of automatically, because it's, it's almost the cliche thing to do. It's like, oh, well, he was traded this many times, something must be wrong. But if you really think about it, with the Saints, you know, they didn't really need – him because they had drafted Michael Thomas and they had Willie Sneed and there was just they was really deep at receivers so they were able they were able to afford to accept the first round pick for him and with the Patriots you hit on it you know they they just don't they don't pay the receivers <laughs> it's like a it's like a law that they, the receivers are not allowed to get more than thirty million dollars there so. When you, they, when you really think about it, I, really, I don't really see a reason for him being moved around. Like I don't really see a problem with him being moved around the way he has. Um, I, I'm more so am curious as far as what you – the other thing you mentioned, the uh, Rams having a quote-unquote number one receiver. Um, I don't want them to take this contract and take this role and look at the player and force the ball to him and mess up something really good. That's my fear. That's something my side were kind of shooting back and forth yesterday. A little bit about, um, you know, is is there room for more catches on this? When I used AB as like the the target monster, 160 something targets last year, and I think Cooper yeah. Cup led the, led the Rams last year like 94. You know, uh, Sammy Watkins had 70 last year. So you're gonna pay him this money, you gotta give him the ball. Um, but I think we, we agree you can't force feed him that kind of stuff. Maybe you take you know 20 less targets away from Cup and give those to the more athletic guy, but you got to make it work within the framework of the offense. And that's not even counting someone like young Gerald or Hemingway or whatever tight end steps up in the, uh, there's, I think Myson made, made the point of you don't want to screw it up because it's hard to game plan for a team that can go anywhere. You're not just force feeding one guy. Yeah. Yeah. You got to make room for Henry Craig or Coble. Oh, speak <laughs> of KC, yeah. Joey, HKC. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, no that's, I think that's a big thing. You know, you have uh, you, the reason the Rams have the success they did last year is because you really – it's impossible to game plan for them. Um, the only way the the Rams lost last year was more so their own errors as opposed to teams figuring out a way to stop them. Because when you can strike from anywhere, that is impossible to game plan for. <laughs> you don't have enough time in the week to prepare for that team. And that's kind of what the Rams became because of their um, their ability to spread the ball around so evenly. Like, it was very, very even distribution. And, you, you know, Rob and I was talking about it yesterday. He was using A.B. as the example. And I was saying, you know, A.B. is a guy who's had over 140, 150 targets a season for the last, like, five or six years. You can do that when you're A.B. There's not many A.B.s walking around this earth. I can tell you that right now. You know, there's not been that many throughout the history walking around. You know, he's just a different cat, you know, unguardable. There's, you, don't, you don't have a lot of guys that you can just truly call just unguardable, and that's what he is. And so I, that's why I say I don't want to really want to see them force it. But um, it, it, I think it's going to be – I think it's interesting because in my eyes, I know I mentioned this when he first was traded for, and uh, Joe and I talked about it, it was he is far and head and shoulders above, far away from – a Sammy Watkins. I never thought Sammy Watkins was that good, even coming out of college. I still think that uh, Brandon Cooks is a, a better receiver than Sammy Watkins. It, 
so far I think he's proved it. So I'm excited about him being a Ram long term. The numbers threw me off a little bit, but I don't really have a problem with the deal. Yeah, I think the he's, big thing is a lot. Oh, good. He's twenty. Go ahead, he turns twenty September, right? So he's still a young dude. It's not like yeah. he's been. He's been in the he's league for younger, five younger years, than right? Cup. Younger than Cup. But, Cup. Yeah, he's still a young dude. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a young core of Goff, Gurley, Cup, Cooks. You got a nice, uh, if young Gerald comes along, Jay Ray. I mean, you got a nice little young nucleus on this offense that's going to be here for a while, um, outside of some offensive line, right? But for the most part, this young core. It's going to be here for a bit. What was interesting to me is I saw a couple of people alluding to the idea that there were some people who were against this deal and against uh, the terms of it or whatever, just the sheer numbers. And, and there were two things. Number one, people get wrapped up in tying salary to stats. And I know we're going to get to the running back contract situation with Levy and Bell essentially turning down a deal from the Pittsburgh Steelers as we look ahead to Todd Gurley with his future negotiations with the Rams and the idea that that, that Sammy Watkins wasn't worth the amount that Kansas City ultimately paid him, but Brandy Cooks is because of his statistical production. I think people get a little bit too wrapped into that. The second is that people assume that the market stays the same year to year. We know that's not true. The market, the, we talk about the, Mike said, I think you were the one who said it, that Brandon Cooks is getting paid like a top eight, top 10 wide receiver yeah. right now. That won't be the case in two years. The market will continue to expand and he'll get priced out of it by either you, you could argue inferior wide receiver free agents that are going to come along and earn more than him because the market's just going to continue to expand. That's just the economics of it. It's not that Brandon cooks isn't necessarily a better receiver. It's that the market changes year to year and the market that Robert Woods uh, had to entertain a year ago is different than the one that Brandon cooks and Sammy Watkins had to entertain this year. It'll be different for guys next year and two years, three years from now. What I think is interesting is that essentially the Rams started this process a year ago. We know that they talked to uh, Brandon Cooks when he was leaving New Orleans uh, and entertained the idea of trying to make that happen at the time. Didn't get around to it really until this year for business reasons, but it was clear that they were keen on him. They, Sean McVay wanted him to be part of the system, and essentially the penalty tax that they paid to, to negotiate with him in free agency was to trade a first-round pick. And it was a little bit different than you'd see from some other situations, but they didn't want to wait for that to happen a year from now, and they went ahead and attacked and got it done. And you know, in a sense, that's kind of what you want them to do is identify the people they want and be aggressive to go get them and make it happen, uh, and make it happen within terms that are, uh, that are fair uh, value for the market, but we'll just have to see. It's one of those things that I think if Brandon Cooks doesn't necessarily put up the numbers that he did the last couple of years, and I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, I think we're going to see some people probably push back against that. And I think that'd probably be unfair because he's not coming in here to necessarily put up the numbers. It's to do what you, Rob, and Myson were talking about. It's to be a part of a, a really balanced <laughs> offense where you've got Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and some other guys coming up, Josh Reynolds and Gerald Everett and uh, to the degree that Todd Gurley is going to continue to complement this passing offense. He doesn't have to be that number one guy. He doesn't have to be Antonio Brown. He can be part of a system, and this could be one of the best, if not the best system in the NFL. You know, Joe, can we really say that numbers aren't tied to the contracts, though? Because when you think they about it – They weren't for Sammy Watkins. They weren't for Sammy Watkins. Yes, this is true. They were not for Sammy Watkins. I think that the, the Chiefs outbid themselves. But <laughs> nevertheless – we really, we really think about. There's only, there's only, I think, uh, eight guys who uh, whose contracts value over uh, 14 million dollars a year at the receiver position, and you know, Cooks is now one of those guys. 
However, when you think about it, just last year, the Rams' leading receiver, uh, Robert Woods, was signed as a free agent, and he wasn't signed. Sure. He was only signed for half. He was only signed right. for half of the contract that these other guys were getting. Best now, if, bargain if he, in the NFL. If, if he was a free agent with the numbers of uh, of of Brandon Cooks, do we think that he still signed for half of what Brandon Cooks just got? That is, well, then that's, that's one of those that's things that's kind of dollar question right there. <laughs> kind of what Rob was yelling about in the background is that that's a bargain then, because if, if, if anything, yeah, then what yeah. you're saying is. Robert Woods didn't get a chance to put up the numbers that his skill set demands in Buffalo. That's not his fault. That's not his fault. Nope. That's a system fault. That's a coaching fault. That's all the context that goes into a team sport as complex as this. Look, we all know this. Tavon Austin got money. He didn't earn it based on his production. It, 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 all I'm saying is it doesn't necessarily always line up. A lot of the time, does it? Of course. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Nick Hopkins. Uh, a lot of these guys are getting paid. Look, Julio Jones is trying to get his money now that his numbers are what they are, and they deserve it. But it's one of those things where a lot of times people are willing to pay for guys that they haven't seen the numbers from that they think they can get them from. Sammy Watkins being a key example. Robert Woods maybe not being an example because the numbers weren't there and they paid him based on it and they got some better numbers out of him. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to get more. Uh, that's one of those inefficiencies that the good teams exploit and the bad teams overpay for. And a lot of times that's what separates the best front offices from the worst ones. Oh, are we big saying the Rams one of the best front offices now? I wouldn't say that. I'm not, I'm not ah. necessarily alluding to the Rams. I'm just saying in terms oh, of I'm the landscape. That, that same front office like that. that gave Tavon yeah. Austin that contract. <laughs> it's, it's just it's so weird. To, and we'll, we'll talk about the future power rankings in a bit, but uh, and that was part of it. But that was that's yeah. still hard for me to wrap my head around Tony Pastors and 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 uh, Les Snead being thought of as as good, whereas you know we were going to run those guys out of town with Jeff Fisher a couple of years ago. Here's well, one thing that like stood this. out to me about this deal is we've seen this before, haven't we? The Rams make a sure. trade for a player in the offseason, give them a contract out of nowhere before he even plays a snap, and then we know we ha- we know what happened that first time. Um, will that will that be the case this time? Let's uh let's ask that question. Yeah, remember the Rams had to trade the Mike Sims Walker. Yeah. The, remember, the Rams traded for Nick Foles and had to get that contract extension done for oh, yeah. him before he played a single That's snap. That's what I'm so, talking about. Yeah, yeah. This, is not, yeah, this is not the first time they've done it. Joey, you were going to say something. Well, I was just going to say that they're pretty Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, we, you know, we, we could say they make all these great moves, but it's exactly what you're just saying, that they make some curious moves too. And uh, sure. it's really hard to know, you know, either A, who's pulling the strings, or is it just, um, you know, are they lucking out? Are they, you know, is this is this the type of thing where um, A is 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 now pushing the buttons a little bit more, and right. you know he's, you know, his chemistry with with Les, with Snead and the other guys is um is is what's making this work a little bit more. But they still had the, I mean, I don't know if the Ogletree signing was that's the big one, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, like 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 what was that? You know, like like it just it seemed really kind of at the time it was just like. Why are they doing this? And um, but I don't know. Like maybe at the end of the day, it all kind of works out. But um, they are very much a hot and cold front office for me. And uh, you know, I used to say that too. I used to, not anymore. Well, because good, everything comes back to right. We we all have a, a theory on who actually ran the show there and who was just you know following the plan. Uh, but we re- we really don't know. 
I mean, was it was it Jeff doing everything? Did he sign Ogletree? Did he sign Baron? Did he sign Tavon? Probably. Uh, once the what happened, and, and less, you know, there were I started the less, and Jeff didn't speak almost all year, right? Uh, a couple years ago, and then now that he's, you know, got the new young guy there, you know, the reports about him staying at the Ramada, whatever it is, back next with, with Sean McVay when he first took over, so they can kind of work out things and get their plan. Uh, the best thing to come of this is at least it sounds like the head coach and the front office are actually speaking and working on the same plan. Maybe. I don't know. I, uh, the one you thing know, I, th- I, th- I think – I, I was just going to say, I, I think you have some dysfunction between the contract negotiation team of Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastors and, and the responsibilities that general manager Les Snead holds. So you've got this idea of uh, – Kevin Demoff and Tony Pastor is going to renegotiate with Alec Ogletree. And as soon as they get that done, getting to the end of the season and reassessing their priorities and deciding that Alec Ogletree isn't one of them. And it's like, well, okay, maybe we should have aligned that in, uh, in October when we were doing this, instead of going ahead and making that deal the same way we did with Tavon Austin, the same way we did with other guys that ended up not necessarily being in line with, with what we were trying to do. It feels a bit like, you know, you, you go to that roulette table and Kevin Demoff and, yeah, Tony Pastors are like, all right, uh, fifty thousand dollars or fifty million dollars on red, and Les Snead comes in at the minute, last minute, and goes, no, 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 black, and it's like red twenty six black. Oh yeah, we uh, we did it. Yeah, great job. We ended up with twenty six black, but the whole process getting to that was not necessarily well thought out and uh, managed in a way where everybody was in sync from beginning to end. I'll ask you guys. You know, we're in the middle of. Okay, it's got a quick question. We're in the middle of July, 2018. Where are you guys on the Jared Goff trade to get the first pick? You guys feel? <laughs> I see... Okay, we... listen. <sighs> you guys go first. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody that know me knows where my head has been. <laughs> but <laughs> go ahead, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take that one. You know what? I am fine with the Goff trade right now because they finally have a guy that they believe in who's going to run their system. Uh, you know, McVay seems to be fine with them. So that's cool. I'm fine with what we had to pay because there are teams who have a quarterback and there are teams who don't. And we've been the team that didn't have a quarterback for so damn long. I'm cool with what we had to give up to get him, to put him in place. Uh, now, if he comes out and he's terrible this year, uh, I might have to burn something down. But right now, mm-hmm. after last year, seeing, seeing how he – Progressed under Sean McVay, you know, he got away from the Jeff Fisher and the Chris Winkies and all those. He, you know, he he looked like an NFL quarterback last year. Yeah, he still has room to grow, but he looked he looked like okay, this is the guy we traded for. He can play the position. Is he Tom Brady? No, but at least he can win you football games. Uh, so we'll see. But right now, I'm with what they had to give up to get this, I was tired of the five, six, seven, eight years of not having a quarterback. The thing, the thing about the golf trade was you can only make the you can only make draft decisions in the in the vacuum of the year that you make them. So the, when the Rams drafted Greg Robinson, it wasn't like oh if it doesn't work out, we'll just sign Andrew Whitworth in free agency three years from now. You can't predict that. You can't say oh yeah we're letting Janoris Jenkins go in free agency, uh, but if it doesn't work out, we'll just trade a bunch of picks for a keep to leave in Marcus Peters. So let's not worry about it. You can't make those kind of decisions you know, with, with the amount of foresight that something as complex as the draft and free agency requires uh, if you're trying to plan that out. So the problem with the Jared Goff trade was that it happened in the fifth year 
of an administration with a head coach and a general manager who hadn't had a single winning season. That never happens. You don't see that ever. You don't see a general manager and a head coach stay together for five years after four losing seasons and still get to have control over what they're doing. So at the time that they traded up for Jerry Goff, what I wrote on the site was, sure, fuck it, why not? They've done everything else. This is the last thing they haven't tried. It really doesn't matter because what, what is the difference going to be? They had Nick Foles and Case Keenum. They drafted Sean Mannion the year before and didn't play him. So they don't care. They're not actually trying to ma- manage this roster towards any success. They're just going through the mo. It, it was what it was. This point, at this point, what we're dealing with with Sean McVay and Jared Goff is one of those things where you look at where this team is going to get better. And the, the, the number one place this team is going to get better is going to be if Jared Goff improves individually. That's why I, I said all offseason, had it not been for the major moves that they made, Jared Goff would be the center of the spotlight for this team for 2018. Uh, but at this point, you've got so much else going on with this team that it's taken a lot off of his shoulders. And maybe that's as much a credit to Les Need and everybody else uh, involved with remaking this roster, that they're in a position where it's not all about golf for 2018 and he can continue to manage his career moving forward. Yep, yeah, he's. Have you even mentioned Jerry Goff in the, in the offseason this year? Has anyone seen him other than playing some East He was playing there? Fortnite. He was playing Fortnite right? tonight, yeah. I saw him with Ninja. I mean, Jared Goff, this, that been has been the dream offseason for Goff. He has been That's golfing a lot. Right. He has so, been golfing a lot. Jared is living his best life, which is what you want. Uh, your quarterback. I was going to say, that's what I want. I want him to go golfing. He's been set up, he's been set up to have a great season because there's no pressure on him whatsoever. Um, the pressure has been taken off of him. The player on offense that's been getting nonstop shine, nonstop pressure. Todd Gurley. Oh, he's number one. It's Todd Gurley. He's Todd the number Gurley. one running back. He's the number one. I have not yep. seen anyone. I've seen a bunch of running back rankings come out in the past few weeks, and Todd Gurley has been number two or number one in all of them. Uh, you know, so – the pressure isn't on Jared Goff at all, and he's just living his best life. He's out doing his thing, having fun with his buddies, playing basketball, playing golf. That's all he does is play basketball and golf. <laughs> you know, so he just – there's no pressure whatsoever, which usually sets a player up to be able to pl- have some type of success because they're not worried, <laughs> you know. So golf, I think golf is going to be okay. Um, as far as the question for Joey, my, I, I still remain the same. Like, nothing's changed. Uh, I look back on the trade and I say, look, if you're going to give up all the, that to move up, I'm gonna, I'm either going to do one of two things. If I'm going to number one, I'm going to take the who I felt was the best player at the position, that which was Carson Wentz, or I'm going to trade up number two and just take whichever one falls down and save some of that, some of that, uh, that king's ransom that you gave up. Yeah. You know, but either way, uh, I also do at the same time agree with Rob in the sense of that you had to go get yourself a quarterback. Um, that was the time to do it. And it's still mind blowing that the regime was still together long enough to go get a quarterback. Uh, yeah. I do think that Les, I do think Les Need is pulling the strings though, um, and, and I, I've, I've talked about it a bunch of times uh, on, on here on uh, TSR as well as on the site in articles. You know, the story is that it was that the trade was 100% Les Need, and that was the first 100% like boss move that we know of from Les Snead. And from that point on, it was a rift with it between him and Jeff Fisher. And Les Snead won. I think that Les Snead is still pulling the strings. Sure. I think the contracts and everything we've seen has been Les Snead. That Les Snead finally took over, and he is running the show. And well, 
I, I, the the reason I say that uh, I said earlier, I used to say, you know, it's it's hot or cold, it's hit or miss with them, is because I, I really did think that, but I don't think that anymore. I really look at it now, and I think about the um, where Les Snead comes from and who he learned under. You know, he was an understudy to Thomas uh, Demetrov, Thomas Demetrov. Who yeah. gained a reputation as being a fearless GM that was not afraid to just do things. And if it doesn't go right, then screw it. Go do something else and fix it, you know. And I think that's Les Snead. And you see these things that's happening with these trades and things like that. Les Snead is just being fearless. I don't think it's so much of being hot or cold. It's screw it. <laughs> go all in, and if it doesn't work, then we're going to figure something else out and just make it work. Because there's always, always, if we, if you've learned anything from Les Snead, there's always going to be someone willing to trade. He traded Sam Bradford when every Rams fan thought it was going to be impossible to trade him. He traded him. Forget, no, no, no. Forget Sam Bradford. He traded, he traded Greg Robinson. He traded, he traded Greg Robinson. Right? He traded Tavon Austin after talking Tavon Austin to take a pay cut. I mean, tell me tell me one hole he has not been able to get out of. He could, I don't think he's hit or miss. I don't think it's hot and cold. I just think it's, I'm willing to take this risk because there's always one. It, like they say, it only takes one. You need one yes. That's it. You got, 30, you got 31 options. You need one. He's almost. I already made one gambling reference. He he's hit or miss on like the outcome, but he's always willing to bet. He's always willing to make these trades. He really is the master of the trade in the NFL and GM circles. But you you mentioned the idea that we're leading to Todd Gurley as being the centerpiece of this. We we talked a lot about Aaron. There's a there's a good waterfall in terms of the process for the major deals that the Rams have to consider. Aaron Donald's coming first because he got drafted first, 2014. Todd Gurley's up next, 2015. Jared Goff's up next, 2016. Part of the reason why I don't worry as much, Joey, about Jared Goff, and I wrote this, I don't know, a month and a half ago, is that we've got a lot of time to evaluate Jared Goff before we may have to make a decision. He's got a fifth-year option, fifth option because he was a first-round pick. We've got plenty of time to let Jared Goff develop and see where he's going. We don't get that for Aaron Donald. We don't need it. Because Aaron Donald's a Hall of Fame caliber guy now, Todd Gurley's the interesting one because he's an incredible player. His position isn't very valuable. He's unique for that position given what he offers in the passing game. And that position is very, 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 very confusing for NFL teams, media, and fans to understand right now. And nothing proved that more than the saga of the Le'Veon Bell contract I, whoever wants to take this up first, Myson, I know you wrote it on the site. We were all talking about it in Slack channel. The running back position just is one that the NFL is grappling with between where they're drafting guys, what they're not paying them, and kind of that, that space in between. And they haven't really filled it in. And I think this Le'Veon Bell saga, if nothing else shows, they just haven't gotten this position figured out right now. Yeah, so you know what? I'll just jump in real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, well, okay, I'll just say real quick that I feel like it's such a brutal drop-off, and it's, it's different with every player. And I think that if I was a GM and I, and I was looking at a guy like Bell, I mean, I, I, I would have to be pretty, pretty hesitant to give him extra years on, that, on, the, on the guaranteed money because sure. you, just, you just never know when it's going to stop. And, you know, sometimes we get lulled in the thinking, guys, like – Peterson are just going to be, you know, this 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 phenom forever, and then suddenly they just show up one one game, and you're like, well, he's done, and it just it sometimes happens so. And 
brutal league. I think a running back is the most brutal position for job security, especially with the fact that they don't have these, you know, guaranteed contracts. And I just yep. think that he's he, he's so good that I, you know, God bless him. He 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 should get the best contract that that he could get. Um, but I I also see what you know what, what the Steelers are thinking with someone like him is that is that you know they got to protect themselves and it's uh, it's 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 it, it's brutal and I and I, I, I really think the running back position I agree with you Joe is that it's just it, tick 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 point of reference before you go in, uh Leighton Bell just had his career high single season rushing attempts he had three twenty one this year. He's four years younger than Murray, who was tired from the NFL. So in terms of career length, we're, we're, it's, one of the, it's what I said. It's difficult to figure out. Yeah, my so, uh, Rob, did you have anything? Because I'm going to throw a few talking points at you. Guys. You're going to go? <laughs> He's got 30 minutes. Loaded up. Get what you got now because you got to get it. I mean, I, I I get I get what this one the Steelers are saying. All right, this is our best offer. If you're not gonna take it, that's cool. We'll, we'll go in that direction because, you know, it's not easy to find a replacement for anyone in the NFL. But if you look at the running back position, you get value deeper, you know, deeper than you do with other positions. Uh, David Johnson, Cream Hunt, both third round picks, right? Both pretty darn good backs. Are they Liv Bell? No, but maybe David Johnson. But uh, they're pretty darn good, right? So you can you can replace easier than you can say a quarterback whatever and if you give a guy a, a contract offer at 70 million and he's gonna say no at some point you're like all right we'll get, we'll just go get something else i i get that and i think uh the tie to todd Gurley, you know watching this we saw todd Gurley tell was it tmz he's he just wants 80 million he's talking about nba contracts um yep. it's gonna be an interesting for the rams when it come when they got how many free agents on this team in two years that they have to pay uh off Offensive line, they got cornerback. Uh, they got Marcus Peters used trader for. You got uh, Donald. I mean, there's just a lot of guys to pay. And so at some point, they're going to have to play hardball with Gurley as well. Or they should. They should stick to their number. And if he doesn't want to, you know, sign for it, then uh, you got to move on. And I, I think we all fear that they will overpay Todd Gurley because that's kind of what the Rams do. It's like, hey, let's this is our fan favorite, whatever. Let's throw us off in cap hell because we need to keep him around and. As much as I love watching Todd Gurley, uh, I'm not sure that that's something they should do. But luckily, we have to do that this year. Uh, so, Mus, what do you think? What's your what's your? T- I know you got a big take on Le'Veon Bell and this contract situation. <laughs> so, first off, I'm not of that mind frame. So it's not us. It's not us all. Uh, I don't think that they're going to they're gonna overpay Todd Gurley. I think they're going to give him what he deserves. And the reason being is Sean McVay. Uh, Sean McVay has. He figured it out as he went. He completely orchestrated his offense about five weeks in to run through Todd Gurley. We have to remember Todd Gurley is only 23 years old. That's it. (laughs) He is a baby. When it's time to re-sign him, he'll be 25. Um, Now, Joey, I know you mentioned uh, you never know when it's going to stop. Well, that's every single position. I'm about to throw a number at you to where I don't even think people even think about when it comes to running backs, but – Every single position, you see, you can literally say you never know when it's going to stop. Every single year, free agency comes, someone gets a fat contract and doesn't do shit after that. <laughs> Every year, mm-hmm. and it's whether it's <laughs> yep. whether it's whether it's from 
uh, your plate falling off, or you got your money and you just don't give a damn anymore. Every year, it's a risk to pay. So you can't really just say, oh, running backs are uh, – and uh, one thing about me is I'm biased. I'm always going to side with the players, and – I'm always, especially when it comes to running backs. I definitely feel like the running backs deserve to get you paid. You love a you love and, a running back. Hey, I'm a former running back. We got it's a brotherhood. We stick together. <laughs> but it, it's like I look at the running backs, and they're they're the only position group outside of kicker, long snapper, and punter that doesn't have one player representing them in the NFL with a fifty million dollar contract. The only one. Sure. Every position group has it. Every single every single position has it. No, they're the only ones without a fifty million dollar contract. However, the running backs are the ones who dictate the game the most. Um, the quarterback, yes, is the most important player on the hmm. field, but the running backs are the only ones who consistently are going to get you eight plus touchdowns. You know, when you have when you have a lead back, they're the only ones that's going to get you eight plus touchdowns. They're the only ones who's going to consistently get you uh, over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Like their consistency is vital to every single game plan, every single one of them. And and if you as much as the game has changed and as much as about the past, every single team is always taught one thing on defense and that's stop the run first. <laughs> that so the run game is so unbelievably important, but they are the least paid in today's NFL and that's what that's what's mind blowing to me. And when I say that I think that they're going to pay Todd Gurley. It's because, it's because of those things, because it's so important. I look at Sean McVay, and I look at Leslie. Leslie being the risk taker he is, I look at Sean McVay building his offense. I think Todd Gurley is going to get that $80 million that he said he wants. And he that's, going to, that's going to kind of be the the turning point, because if, when, Todd, when Todd Gurley gets paid that, and, you know, when the, the story uh, article I put up today um, with Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley, they're really working off of each other. You, the support that Todd Gurley is throwing so heavily at Le'Veon is obviously in favor of himself. Um, and Le'Veon, I mean, it, it, it's scary for what the Rams would, might have to fork over because if Le'Veon turns down a $70 million contract with $30-plus million guaranteed and you look at Todd Gurley, Le'Veon had 321 carries, as Joe mentioned, but Gurley outperformed him on less. <laughs> you know, the more more interesting is Le'Veon doesn't even produce touchdowns at the rate that some some of the other backs do, such as Gurley or Devontae Freeman. Le'Veon averages 7.6 touchdowns over the last three seasons, whereas Todd Gurley and Devontae Freeman both average 11.6. So they're they're bringing more to the table when you look at just their total output with yardage as well as uh, points they're putting on the board. So if Todd Gurley is going to put out more production – and the market is going to reset itself, you know, uh, is expected to reset itself because I don't care what you say, it only takes one. The Steelers were willing to offer $70 million. Somebody's going to be willing to offer 80, 85 if Le'Veon Bell touches free agency next year, which means that Ty Girl is going to be up next. And if Ty Girl is outproducing him and the market's going to already reset itself, they could very well be in, be in line to pay Ty Gurley $85, $90 million which wouldn't, which would really, really blow some people away. So my point is that I don't think there's any way possible the Rams are going to avoid shelling out some major dollars. And when you uh, think about the timing of it, I think that it'd be stupid to try to let it linger to the point to where, oh, let's just focus on the fifth year option and let's tag them twice because 
the hole they'll dig for themselves when you have Jared Goff coming up, and he's only a year later. <laughs> you know, when you have Jared Goff coming up, and you, you're going to have uh, at that point you're going to have uh, Aaron Donald three years into his contract, and I'm willing to bet his contract is not past five years. You know, so now you're talking about the overlapping of three of the highest paid pl- the three highest paid players on your team. Oh, and you can also throw Brandon Cooks in there now. The Rams are going to be in a lot of trouble because their team is so young, and that's the thing that I don't think anyone's taking into account. All of these players are 26 and under. Well, <laughs> They're all going to be in line for another you. contract. <laughs> no, no, no. Is that you? You got these guys. You, you got a, a monster contract for for Cooks, Gurley, and Donald. Say, and then let's say, let's just say magically. You sign Marcus Peters to a big contract too. Is it possible to have to, to then have quality, or are you just going to be this lopsided team that's going to be stars and scrubs? Like, you got to pick can one. You have a team. Yeah. Yeah. Like like like, will the Rams be able to? But that's everything. To, to have a good offensive line, or are they just going to? No, that's they just going to be? Yeah. They're just well, going to have to team, pick. It's, it's, every team big, is built team on every, – every Super, every Super Bowl team is built on having, you know, four or five just top-of-the-line players where they're just balling out, and then you have a bunch of role players that just do their job. Like, for example, you know you know of uh, how many players on the Eagles offense from this past year, you know, outside of quarterback. Really balanced. Right. You know, <laughs> You don't know all the receivers, you know. You don't, you don't, know, all, you don't know the tight ends after, after uh, Zach Ertz, you know. The, the, the names that, that you have to really sit there and think about it for a second before they come to you. You might be able to think about it after five seconds, like, oh, yeah, then you have this guy. And that's just how it works. You know, you can't just blurt them out the way you can the stars. The, the teams are always going to be built on certain key players and then everyone else just kind of falls in line and just – they're there to fill those gaps. So what the Rams are doing is the right thing. They're building a champion and they're building a better championship caliber team than anyone else right now because again you go back to youth. They're so young. And if you are but, able to lock all these guys up over the next couple of years, you're talking about having a team together similar to what the Seahawks did. Uh the difference is the Seahawks kind of blew their chance for multiple championships, but well, they did have the opportunity. The, the the problem is that window always closes, right? If if you're going to exactly. pay Aaron Donald and, and to a lesser degree Todd Gurley, because the amount that you're going to have to pay Todd Gurley more than what he's making now is less than what you'd have to pay Aaron Donald and Jared Goff. You're going to have to pay Aaron Donald and Jared Goff a ton more than they make yep, right now. Absolutely. You'd have to pay Todd Gurley a little bit more. If you're going to pay them, they already paid Brandon Cooks. They've got offensive line decisions to make across all five players over the next two years. You got Marcus Peters to keep the lead coming. The the window's there. The biggest problem is that this window closes, and you can't. To your point, Joey, you can't pay everybody and keep everybody. They can they can pay their top guys. They could keep Jerry Goff and Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald, but that means they can't keep Roger Saffold and Rob Havenstein and Jamon Brown. They can't keep all the other components of their defense. They're not, they're, they're not going to be able to keep Mark Barron long-term on his contract. They just can't do that, and that's the difficulty of that. But what I would say to Myson's point about the running backs is you, you've got two things at play. You've got, number one, the, the value of inputs versus outputs or cause versus effect, right, where we're talking about 
Le'Veon Bell not scoring touchdowns, where we're talking about him being 30% of the offense and, and Todd Gurley racking up all these yards. That, it, it, it depends to what degree you assign that to the running back and how much you assign that to everything else around him that's part of a running game, because that's what Mason said was that you've got, you've got people that don't necessarily value the running game but the problem is they're also not paying running backs. And it's not that the running game isn't necessarily devalued. It's the position of the running back that is. The running game is still incredibly valuable. I think what's different is people have devalued the running back position relative to its value in the running game, that your running game is precipitated upon your offensive line strength, your ability to pass the ball, your ability to do all these other things to open it, and certainly to use a player like Todd Gurley in the passing game where you pull linebackers and safeties away from him and do all these other things. We, we talk, when you talk about Le'Veon Bell and his touchdowns, there were five players that you had. Todd Gurley with 13 touchdowns. Mark Ingram was second with 12. Le'Veon Bell, Jordan Howard, Leonard Fournette all had nine. Tied for six, you had five players that had eight touchdowns. Carlos Hyde from San Francisco, Melvin Gordon with the Chargers, Alvin Kamara with the Saints, Kareem Hunt with the Chiefs, and Latavius Murray from Minnesota, who wasn't their starter because Dalvin Cook got hurt. I don't know that any, and they had McKinnon as well, and obviously he signed a big deal with San Francisco. I don't know that anybody would suggest that Latavius Murray is a top six, top eight running back. I think we would all recognize that his output was a production effect of what was around him, an incredible defense, an incredible defense that gave their offense a lot of chances and a lot of chances to run the ball to hold the lead and a pretty decent offensive line that was able to give guys like Latavius Murray a chance to do that. The, the, the scale to which you can deal with somebody like Latavius Murray maybe on one end and Todd Gurley on the other is what makes it so difficult to decide how much a running back plays into the running game, and I think that's what makes yeah. it complicated. The, the one thing I say all the time on the side is trust the money. NFL teams are telling you they don't want to commit to this position because it's not inherent to the running game. And even Le'Veon Bell's agent said the Steelers were trying to play the position and not the player. I think there's a reason why. And the reason why is it's not that Le'Veon Bell and Todd Gurley aren't great running backs. It's that the difference, like Joey said, that cliff that exists between the great running backs and the good running backs isn't a steep enough cliff for NFL teams to be willing to go above and beyond paying them the way they're willing to with other positions. What you got, Bobby? Uh, I'm just sitting here listening to you guys, and you're all making great points. And I was afraid you were going to say Cooper, Cooper Cup should be the starting running back for Rams in 2019. I was going to say, Rob. <laughs> no, on, he, should, he should be the highest paid player on the team because uh, he's, he's the most handsome, right? Uh, no, I mean, if you if you think about it, oh. what team what team out there is able to pay all their stuff to keep them all around? And look at the best yeah. look at the best organization in football right now, and how long they've been relevant. They've Bill Belichick has decided to pay Do we have one to? guy. Um, one guy. I mean, you you can you can hate the man as much as you want, that's but different. there's that's one guy different. he doesn't care about trading. Everyone else, when it comes time to pay him, they're out the door because they draft yeah. better than everybody else as well. Yeah. Um, perhaps you know maybe less can get to that point where they can start you know picking and choosing the guys that they want to keep and keep drafting behind them and not trading his picks away. But you also have to look at their strategy. They know what their contract situation is coming up in the next couple of yeah. years, which is why they went for it. They made all those trades. They put it all in because they want to cash in on a rookie contract for the quarterbacks, for Gurley, for Donald, whatever. All these young players are youth. They know or later. 
So they put all their chips on the table for this year, and they, they went for it. And I applaud that. But fans are going to have to get used to saying goodbye to some of these guys because they're not going to yeah. everyone. There's just no yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's the nature of the business, you know. But here's here's an interesting number for you because, as we know, inflation is very real in all aspects of life. The contract that Adrian Peterson got five, six years ago where he got $14 million a year today would be worth about $21 million a year. <laughs> you know, so that that's just kind of to put things in perspective of the fall off for where running backs really are as far as what they're getting paid. Like I said, the only position group that does not have a $50 million man. Everyone else has it. Every wide receiver, uh, quarterback, lineman, D-lineman, linebacker, corner, safety, they all have a $50 million man uh, except for the running back. And it's interesting because when you talk about just a few years ago, you know, he, you have Adrian Peterson who's getting $14 million a year, and if you were to give that contract today just based off of the market changing, that's a $21 million a year contract, and now running backs can't get more than $8 million a year? I mean, that's because they're the most replaceable. I'm not, they ha- I'm not saying they have component. to get to $21 million, but – that's unbelievably lowball. Like, you know, that's that's the interesting thing about it. You know, I think people get too caught up on what the top dollar value of a running back should be, as opposed to what's the what's the what's the what's the medium. Like, what what is like the low point? It's it's oh, really really go. bad. How bad? Can we get can we get it down to six? I want to I want to do like an auctioneer where we get it down to like five <laughs> right. and a half. Can we get it down to five and a half, five and a half. Got to get it down to five, got to get it down to four. Four, four and a half, four and a half. My Sinadiosaur, like. three and a half million for Saquon Barkley 2021. So, you know what, basically, you look, I'm glad you said Saquon Barkley because the interesting thing about that is Saquon Barkley is one of the highest paid running backs in the league, and it's only because he was the number two overall pick, and there's a, there's a slotted amount of money that you give each draft pick. So how, many, is, how many yards? Yes. How many yards Saquon gonna get this year? Saquon, four hundred scrimmage or rushing? <laughs> scrimmage or rushing? We talking? Pick one. I don't even care. If we're talking scrimmage, I say he gets about sixteen hundred. Woo! Myson loves a running back. I, I you love I, a running back. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think Saquon's gonna have a lot of receiving yards. A lot of receiving yards. I think I think Saquon may very well have about seven hundred receiving yards. Would there is a galaxy. I'm gonna have to put it together. I got a galaxy brain meme that I'm I'm gonna have to put together for running backs: seven million, six million, five million, two million. Just a synapses <laughs> firing off. Joe, Joey, what's your feelings, man? You you seem to be on the outside on this. I know you're pulling the running backs towards everything else. What do you feel about the running backs in the modern NFL? I think that uh, you know, I, I I'm, I'm do, a little do more. Do you like running backs? Do you even like running backs? <laughs> Careful now, no man, I don't. Careful now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I, I I like him in college football. I I think in I think in the sure. NFL, um, you know, I I I, I like to, I like to see a running back who catches the ball. Like I I just you know? I like to see passes and. Yeah. Uh, you know the the way look the way look is 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 I think the smart play is is getting a guy like uh, Kamara, like getting a guy in the third sure. round. I think I think you can find these guys. I mean, think about just playing fantasy football. 
to find you you always try to find a running back and and every time you go for that 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 big money guy he gets hurt you know you, you know it's like you know you you hate cursing guys when you know with with an injury but it just it just seems like it's it, they're just constantly running into like a line of like 300 pound monsters and just i mean it's it's just it's just the sport but I, it's something for you just like watching is entertainment. It's just like these guys are always constantly just getting crushed down to the ground. And uh, sometimes I just don't like watching it as a position. It just, it just seems kind of sometimes unnatural when they're just going straight straight through the line and just getting crushed. And uh, I mean, obviously, yeah, I I, I think Todd, Todd Gurley's great, but I love when Todd Gurley is, you know, running around the side or he's, or he's giving a pass. But sometimes I really worry when they just, you know, throw him up the gut and he's just getting you know thrown and you're wondering if he's going to stand back up again you know What's what I'm oh, okay, 100% blame Mel Kuyper for this shit right here because <laughs> this is what this is Mel Kuyper started this bullshit in the early <laughs> Mel Kuyper ruined he the running back he, he fucking ruined it he went on air and his dumbass literally said you you don't need a draft for running back in the first round, and he you could get one in the fourth or fifth round, and he pounded the fucking table for this shit. And you can for twenty years. You can twenty years, but you can <laughs> until until people started to listen to him. <laughs> but here's the thing: that is bullshit. Can't get you can do haircut. that with every position. <laughs> yeah, AB you singled out one position. You can literally every position you find. Somebody in the in the in the in the uh, middle rounds that balls out every single position, you find someone in the second, third, and fourth round that takes care of business. Every one of them, and that that goes for quarterback as well. You know, I think people really forget like uh, the, how many quarterbacks are, that went on to be great and were not first round picks. <laughs> Sean Manning. You know, like, Sean Manning. Tom Brady. So Sean Manning. Sean so, forget Tom Brady. Tom We're not. Tom Brady is the anomaly, you know, because he he was drafted in the sixth round, but he was like the last pick of the sixth round. He should have been a seventh round pick, you know. Right. So it basically no. yeah, was yeah. because if it was if it wasn't for the uh, compository picks, he that would be considered a seventh round pick. You know, so Gary Gilbert. Forget yeah. Tom Brady. We're not even going to talk about him because he's so far into the draft. Let's just stick to the middle of the rounds. You know, you're talking about guys from second, third, and fourth yep. rounds. You're talking about Russell Wilson. You're talking about uh, Drew Brees, like. Everybody isn't gonna always gonna be in the first round. And just the first round doesn't even produce fifty percent of hits. <laughs> you know, like everyone gets so caught up on this, this which round, which round, which round, and then this this whole blame <laughs> on uh, the running backs. The running backs, you you don't have to get them in the first round. Fuck that. <laughs> the running back success at the first round is just as high as everyone else, and their failure is just as low, uh, just as high as everyone else. You know, it's. it's is 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 no difference. There, there's just a there's just kind of the scapegoat for picking a position and saying, oh, why spend this when you can do it here? I could say the same thing with a receiver. Why go out and say, oh, especially in today's NFL where everyone's spreading the ball around and stuff like that, who needs a number one? Why go pay a guy eighty million dollars when you could just go and get someone in the third round <laughs> and Cooper you Cup. can ball out with that third rounder, Cooper Cup? <laughs> you know, like. Why is in Cooper Cup? I don't give a damn what you say because he's not athletic and he's white. Adam he's Dillon. never going to get eighty million dollars. I can guarantee you that right now. But he's still going to ball out. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so like don't don't just pin it on the running backs. I blame fucking Mel Kiper. Fuck you, Mel. <laughs> Love you, Mel. Um, two round table questions we can do about the running back position. First, Saquon Barkley, what would be the earliest pick in your fantasy draft? Let's do this. We'll do it alphabetically. We'll do Joey, Mice, and Rob. Joey, what would be the earliest pick you would use in your fantasy draft to take Saquon Barkley? Well, I mean, especially the way fantasy football is, I would I would pick him first. I'd pick him first wow. or second. Impressive. Myson. <laughs> I'm not picking no rookie in the first. Fuck that. I'll take Look him in the second. <laughs> <laughs> second I'll get pick. him in the second. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Bravo. When did you take Leonard Ford? Oh, don't go to my fantasy strategy. I'm not divulging my secrets. I took Sam Rogers. I took Sam Rogers, you sons of bitches. Nobody okay. took Sam Rogers for, for last anyone year. That, anyone out there that forgot <laughs> last year when I would not let it go because I kept bringing it up for our, for our site, <laughs> fantasy group, Joe thought it would be a good idea to draft Ram squares only. <laughs> hey, that strategy almost paid off. Yeah, Sam <laughs> Nobody drafted all the Ram squares. Should, should we do a recap on, on who won that fantasy oh, league? Oh, really really quick, let's really go to the next episode. Really quick, really quick. Oh, go ahead, the nice. thing that pissed me off, that really pissed me off, was he actually had a good season. <laughs> he did have a good season. I had a great spot, man. He drafted all Rams players that had a good season. How the hell? What? My team was stacked. Yeah. I'll say this. Uh, Saquon Barkley this year for fantasy is undraftable. Follow my lead. I will not lead you astray. That's number one. Number two, there were, I think I counted this right while y'all were talking. I think there were eight running backs drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Here's what I ask you guys. Who's going to have the best rookie season, however you want to determine it, fantasy, whatever. Uh, you got Saquon Barkley going to the Giants. Uh, Rashad Penny going to the Seahawks at 27. Sony Michelle out of Georgia, the Patriots. That was the last, the third uh, pick from the first round. Second round picks, Nick Chubb out of Georgia to Cleveland. Ronald Jones, USC to Tampa. That's going to be a really interesting one. Uh, on Johnson from Auburn to Detroit. Darius Geis to Washington at 59, and then Royce Freeman out of Oregon to Denver. Those are your uh, first three rounds of running back picks. Let's do it again, alphabetical order, because this is America. Joey, who's your favorite out of those rookie running backs? Oh, man. You've done your research. You've done tons of research on this tonight. Lay it on the table. <laughs> can can you repeat can you repeat the, the first one please? Yeah, Saquon Barkley. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It has to be him. I mean, I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be put a, probably the best number since Adrian Peterson. I think is I think he's gonna be a beast. I hate your takes. You make me sick. Mason, you're up next. You know, I um I'm not gonna say Saquon Barkley. I think that's the common thing to go with. Um. I do think that he has a good chance to get over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. However, Gross. however, far, from, far from a guarantee. <laughs> far from a guarantee. I love Georgia running backs because they have a high success oh, rate in the NFL. You got two of them. You got two of them. They, they, oh, and I'm taking both of them. They have a high success rate <laughs> in the NFL. Both of them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can take 
can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> Look, Georgia running backs, they run they run the pro systems that the NFL runs, and they, they know how to get downhill. They know how to run zone. They know how to run ISO. They run all these different concepts that the NFL runs in Georgia, and that's why they have such great success transitioning to the NFL. The long history of success with running backs, I think they both could be – I think both Chubb and Sonny Michelle uh, have a really good chance of having a good rookie season. Tertial Radio is a podcast. Podcast rule number one, you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, podcast rule number two, Georgia head coach Kirby Smart, it's in his name. Uh, Robbo, who you got from the running back? Uh, I'm going to take a different guy. I'm going to take the local boy up here, uh, Rashad no. Penny. They, they no, love him. I'm they muting love you. him up here. I am muting and, uh, your goddamn microphone. <laughs> that is not allowed. <laughs> I am literally muting you. For the first time ever on Tertial Radio. Muted. You can't take Seahawks running back. No. This is like around the horn. You can't do that, man. Done. I was just about it's to say, around. he's just around the horn, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, man. Uh, That's pricey. I'm torn. I want to do a mice, and I want to take Darius guys, and I want to take Royce Freeman. Um let me bring Rob back. Well, afterwards, let me make my pick, and then I'll bring. I'll take Darius, guys. I like the situation that he's in with Washington, and now that they've lost Kirk Cousins, going to Alex Smith, I think they're going to be reliant. Rob, uh, say your penance, man. <laughs> Fuck y'all! I'm telling you, he's got no Tom Cable up here, and they got Brian Schottenheimer. You know, calling he he gave a thousand yards to Zach Stacy. Well, Rashad Penny's good for a thousand, right? Uh, anyway, uh, no. <laughs> Zach Stacy has very, very good vision, very, very good vision, and Rashad Penny does not. He runs oh, hard, come on. big, he's fast, but he doesn't have vision. And just, and 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 I he am runs in. erect. He runs as erect as fucking Peter North. So <laughs> if you don't know who Peter North is. Google it. That's the best <laughs> reference on TSR in months. Uh, I hope I'm erect as Peter North. I have you don't know who that is, Google it. No, don't Google it. Please don't, don't Google, Google that. It. Don't Google it, especially if you're not <laughs> over 18. <laughs> this is a family show. Dylan, if you're listening, don't Google that name. Little known fact, <laughs> Peter Peter North is Canadian. Shout out to Sosa. What's up, Sosa? Sorry for Croatia, man. We missed hey. Um <laughs> We talked running backs. Moving on from Erectus Peter North into something a little bit further south. Training camp, man. Last week was our training camp preview, preview, preview. This week is our training camp preview, preview. Anything for our training camp preview, preview? Because I'm out. I got nothing. I'm spent. Yeah. Well, I'm sure everybody listening has been been reading the roster preview. Love uh, our roster preview. with, With all of the players that are bound to get cut. And all of the guys that are fighting for position because we're in tier four, going into tier three, right, Joe? Incredibly important to pay attention to the tiers as we continue. For people who haven't seen Joey's roster previews recently, uh, covered Stephen Parker and Henry Krieger Coble, two of the best written roster previews in the entire series. Joey O'Quinn, you can find him com, course. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, the roster preview series is incredibly important because. It's the one play, It's the one time that we get to look at the entirety of the roster before we get to training camp. As soon as you get to training camp, that's when you start getting some spruces and um, insert guy here. The, the guy that – and this is one point I should have made a couple moments ago when we were talking about contract renegotiations. Pay attention to how the media talks about this. 
uh, when we move forward into all these. Because every single guy is going to be a guy that, yeah, that he's definitely in their play. Rob Havenstein, uh, Roger Saffold, um, Jamon Brown, uh, Todd Gurley, Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth, John Sullivan, Jared Goff, uh, Marcus Peters, Akeem Talib. Those are all guys that are in their plans. They're definitely aware of their co- contract situation, and they're definitely looking into that. They're being very aggressive. Uh, they're being very uh, c- concerned about how things are moving, and they, they definitely want to I- I- investigate how they can keep those guys around. Pay attention to the fact that the media is going to treat every single one equally as if every single guy is going to get resigned. This is the one chance where we get to look at the entire 90-man roster and, and treat it fairly and say, look, some of these guys just aren't going to be here, man. And it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not being mean. It's not being unfair. It's the fact that you've got a 90-man roster and 53 spots, and that means 37 guys got to go, and 10 of them got to go to the practice squad. And really, only eight of them got to go to the practice squad to fill in the other spots from guys that get cut elsewhere. That's just the nature of the business, and it sucks. But this is the chance that we get to investigate the back end of the roster, which was, is what a lot of the preseason and training camp is about, is roster evaluation and finding guys like Corey Littleton or Rodney McLeod or you know, other UDFAs that can stick around and do that. And I, I get it. The roster preview can be you know, tedious because who wants to talk about the back of the roster in July? And the answer is the only people who are reading NFL blogs in July, because the people who aren't reading that don't give a shit about the 90-man roster anyway. They're not going to read Tertial Times until two weeks from now when we're starting to get really into training camp and want to catch back into the team because they haven't paid attention to things since the draft. Uh, So, yeah, the roster previews are great, and shout-out to the team, man. I was telling Charlie his the other day uh, that he did on Malcolm Brown uh, yesterday was really, really good. Sosa's been pulling from Christians right up on Tameric Hemingway. We've had some great roster previews from the team this year. So if you miss them, they're all in search. Yeah, for sure. We we miss some great ones. Uh, And the players continue to interact with them on Twitter and Instagram. The players obviously like the fact that we're dealing with guys. We're not just writing about Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald and Jared Goff. This is our chance to really investigate the roster. And it's one of those series that I really enjoy because it's one of those things that if you're listening to a podcast about the Rams on July 18th, Look, there's not a lot of us. There's not, there's not a lot of us doing this, man. There's not a lot of us talking about the Rams in mid-July. There's not a lot of us listening, and so this is why we do the roster preview because it's worth it to go into the roster. And by the time we get done, it's training camp time, and we get into things that matter a little bit more. So, real quick before we get out of here and shake loose, but one thing that I am paying close attention to has not changed at all <laughs> from each week to week, and that's Aaron Donald. However, in this particular situation, my uh, training camp preview, preview thing that I want everyone to uh, watch is Aaron Donald has a different demeanor this offseason. He's more visible than he was last year. No one could find Aaron Donald last year. This year you're finding him everywhere. He's hanging out with his teammates. He's chilling with Todd Gurley at the ESPYs tonight. So it's interesting because Jason Lockenfora, he tweeted out after, right. right after right after the Brandon Cooks deal that Aaron Donald has told some close to him that he, he himself anticipates a new deal being done before camp opens, which means within the, within the next five or six days yeah. <laughs> before camp opens, he anticipates a deal being done. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, that that's interesting. That's very interesting, especially since Aaron Donald has yeah. been so um, reachable. 
and he's been in the light a little more. You're seeing him all over. He's posting on social media. He's on TV. He's doing interviews. It's a different vibe from Darren Donald this year, and uh, that that tweet uh, would suggest that there might be something in the works here. So keep your eyes peeled. Let's go. I want to see what happens. I do know players from the Rams read the site and listen to the podcast. I will say this. If you got a line to Aaron Donald, tell him to post more Instagram videos of his workouts. Everybody loves those. Everybody loves seeing Aaron Donald in some random person's basement. That, that should be a web video series. Aaron Donald goes to random people's basements and just works out. Go to a random dude's basement in Pittsburgh <laughs> and just be like, hey, yo, can I lift this washing machine? Yeah, I mean, if you can't. Oh, shit, he is bench pressing that wash. Go ahead, man. Thank was you. Goodbye. Y'all got rubber knives. Was there, yeah. say, was there anything more talked about than the rubber knife uh, workout for about a week there? I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what you're talking about. AD, you know, so, having a little fun with it. The Rams kind of dropped the ball by not putting out a workout video with Aaron Donald, you know, Pilates with rubber knives or putting out like a five-minute <laughs> abs workout with rubber knives. Um, training camp gets started next week, Thursday. July 26th. The reason I bring that up is Aaron Donald is going to have to report a month prior uh, to week one, I believe, which would be August 10th. That would be the day after our first preseason game, August 9th, if I got my numbers right. So we'll have uh, Thursday will be the first practice. We go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five training camp practices in a row. Take the day off Wednesday, Thursday, uh, August 2nd, got a day off, then Saturday, August 4th, and then a big break between then and the preseason game, and that would be when uh, Aaron Donald has to report. So part of what's different, uh, in addition to what Myson noted, is that Aaron Donald's going to have to show the hell up. He's going to have to show up in training camp. He's going to have to be there. And, and just like Levy and Bell, he's going to have to wreck because, uh, you know, just like Khalil Mack, the eyes of the NFL are on these guys with expiring deals and should the, any of them find their way to the free market, and you got to think that's where Le'Veon Bell's headed, there's going to be a lot of interested teams in them. Um, we're at about an hour 17. We're done with the training camp preview preview. We've got the future power rankings on the run sheet. I didn't know if we wanted to talk about that. That was what the, the ESPN uh, look at how teams are situated over the next three years. They had the Rams seat at seventh. Uh, did anybody feel that was a little bit unfair? Maybe too low, maybe too high? thought it was too high. I touched on it earlier. Uh, the Rams' youth is what plays in their favor. Um, and I use the Seahawks as an example. You know, the Seahawks had an opportunity to win at least two two Super Bowls. They won one. Um, now, of course, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because the Rams haven't won one. But uh, they are setting themselves up in a similar situation by kind of locking down those certain key positions uh, building up your uh, the interior of your defensive line and uh, building up your running back position and your quarterback and getting some stability at receiver as well as corner. The Rams are kind of – and they're all young, as I mentioned. They're all 26 and under. So by locking these guys up, you're setting yourself up for longevity. Um, and that, that success over a longer period of time is where you start to see your, yourself in position to win a Super Bowl and give yourself an opportunity at the very least. Um, so I, I think the Rams are—I think the Rams are probably uh, all bias excluded, just going strictly off of what we know has worked in the past for teams when you're trying to when you're trying to extend your window for more than one or two years. Teams that have a window of five or six years tend to use this strategy, and the Rams are doing a good job with it. It looks set up, man. Two, yeah, uh, I think. Go ahead, go, Joe. I think they were rated, uh, you know, 
I, I think they should be a top three team, and I yeah. think the reason why is because there's still a little bit of skepticism on Jared Goff with him just only having a legit season under his belt. Just being a Rams fan, just having that optimism, I, I, I really feel that th- those numbers are skewed a, a little too low for, 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 for my feeling uh, on the team. That they're a team, and especially if, if we're just using the whole idea of future rankings and not just the 2018 season, I, I just think they have so much more potential than uh, those other teams that were ranked ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the breakdown, they had five metrics, right? They had roster, QB, coaching, draft, and front office. Right. Roster and coaching were fifth and third. They have Sean McVay at third as a future coach. But then you drop down on QB, draft, and front office, so you're 14 and 13. So it's it's almost like tale of two cities there, right? And overall, it averages yeah. to a seven, but they have um, roster and coaching, which are two big important things, you know, top five, but then they got the rest, you know, QB. So they're still not sold on golf uh, draft and front office at middle of the pack. Um, so I think it's fair. You know what? Let golf prove himself. If he, if he proves himself this year, sure. go up. And uh, you know, if the, the draft, you know, the guys that they've been building the last couple of years show up and keep coming through, those things will keep in, in, increasing. I'm cool with seven. I think they nailed it with uh, with the youth and the with the roster being fifth, and then the coaching, the buying in the McVay. Uh, but they're still saying, you know, give me a second year of, of QB and your ability to run the front office. I think it's fair. I was, I was going to say the QB thing at 14th. If you go back a year ago and you talk Ooh. about QB, they ranked him 25th. So he went from yeah. 25th to yeah. 14th. If he goes from 14th to third, I won't. You know, we, I don't think anybody will have a problem with it. the the front office thing we talked about with renegotiating contracts and Demoff and Pastors. That is what it is. The one that I found interesting that I didn't really go into in this piece was the idea of draft being ranked 14th, if only because the Rams haven't had top draft picks the last couple of drafts because they traded so many guys away. The, the draft uh, with Jerry Goff 2016 meant they didn't have anybody between Goff and Tyler Higby. They had a huge gap. Last year, they had that huge gap at the front where they had to wait for Gerald Everett and then Cooper Cup. And then this year, they didn't have anybody before Joseph Noteboom in the third round. So the, the, the interesting thing for the Rams is, in doing that, they got all these top talents, guys that they traded for, Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, Akeem Tlaib, Marcus Peters. But what they've lost in the draft is guys like Joseph Noteboom that would have been reserve guys that might have filled in some of the gaps and offered over the next three years – the kind of thing that Joseph Noteboom offers is successors, successor to Andrew Whitworth and Joseph Noteboom, a successor maybe to uh, Roger Saffold, a successor maybe to Akib Tlaib that maybe they don't have on the roster. They don't have a lot of those successors because they didn't have the draft picks. They went out and got those starters instead. And so that's the thing that I think is interesting about when you think about the next three years is we've been kind of filling in the cracks at the front of the roster. Now the real issue is the depth that would have been filled in by those draft picks. We don't have them. You look ahead to next year's draft, the 2019 NFL draft, the Rams have a first round pick. Les Snead hasn't had a first round pick in three years. Man. The, 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 the idea of, you know, he'll probably trade it, right? He'll probably trade it. Who knows what yeah. he'll get for it, but we'll have to see. And it's one of those things where I, I certainly don't have a good feel for what the Rams are doing in the draft moving forward, because for the last couple of years, they've been drafting in uh, depth chart uh, spots and not necessarily a lot of starting role spots because they've been using those in free agency and using those in trades that they've done really, really well at doing. That's all I had. 
Not much else. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, so that's where we're at, man. Heading into training camp next week. The good thing is, I don't know if you guys have been watching, and I know the 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 answer is no. ESPNU started their annual series, the top 25 games of the last college football season. Who stayed up until 3 o'clock last night watching Texas-Oklahoma? I did. You guys didn't. It was great. Why, what do you guys why think? Do you do this, why do you do this every year? Every year. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome, man. Albania Okoronko. It was Peter North against the Texas offense. Erects for four quarters. It was great, man. <laughs> Every year. Why? Because <laughs> I love it. I like football. Your, your a desperation lot. to have football in your life is worse than anyone else. <laughs> I was watching Miami Florida State earlier. I saw Tavares McFadden. I was like, that's Myson's boy. Look at him tracking that down is. the sideline. I do like some football, man. So shout out to everybody as desperate as me for some football. ESPNU, I think tonight they were, I think that Miami Florida State game was 20. They don't announce them. They don't um, put up the list of who's actually in their top 25. They just announce them as they come. So you got to pay attention. And I will be. I'll be up till 3 o'clock tonight. And uh, I got another five hours of football ahead of me. So we're finished. Uh, it is what it is, man. The I good thing is, I got another five hour energy. I got another five hour Peter North in front of me. I, I don't have that stamina. I'm an old man. The good thing is. We're closer to football, man. <laughs> as oh, no. much football really as we got really on the oh. oh, come on. <laughs> really quick. Go ahead. You can start the thing. I don't give a damn. Look, so <laughs> you say you have another, you have five hours of Peter North in front of you. <laughs> and he easily made it. Drown him out with the music. <laughs> it made me think Down about him. Family Guy when uh, Quagmire discovered porn and locked himself away in the house for like a week. Oh, <laughs> when he comes outside, his, his record is like, Almost. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that came to my mouth, you said five hours beating north. That's all I got. We out. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, let, let's let's see. Next time you guys see me, if my right arm is absolutely, absolutely stracked, the 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 forearm, the tricep, just falls. Um, it is what it is, man. Football's back next week. We'll have stuff at training camp. We'll have people on the site. Make sure you follow us on the Instagram. Shout out to Eddie and Mike. They're doing good things. We're up over 1,500 on Instagram. Uh, good feed that we got going this year. We're going to do a lot more over there. Um, thanks for joining me, boys. Let's go ahead and close this out. Robbo, final thoughts? Uh, heading to training camp next week, so I will, uh, I'll have more. You are. My, no. when are you. When are you going? Uh, first day of 26. I from totally forgot about that, man. Where are you staying? I'm going down. I'm back on the same day because I am a masochist. You Get are a morning savage. Fly down, and we'll fly back uh, the 11:30 flight back. Joey, are you are you heading down to training camp uh, next week? Uh, you know what? I got that baby coming on Wednesday, so you do uh, probably. Congrats to Joey, everybody. Gonna be gonna gonna be gonna be in baby town, but I'll be uh, I'll be watching from uh, from the interwebs and uh, keep a track on Twitter and uh, and Instagram. Hey, thoughts to you and your wife, man. Congratulations. It's going to be fun. We want to hear about it when it happens. Deets to be posted. Exactly. Myson. Uh, training camp coming. Football coming. ESPNU top 25 coming. Peter North coming. I'm coming. Oh, I had to do it. Yeah. Now, what's up, man? What you got? Peter North coming. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's quite the way to end it. Kick out, kick out Twitter handles. Start the music. <laughs> 
We, you know what the we deal is? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm a pathetic uh, adult. It's 3K underscore for yours truly, Joe Maxi. Robbo, Seattle Rams underscore NFL. You can get it. Joey, he'll busy in the hospital. LA Rams, Rams, Rams. And you can get Mighty or Mison, M-I-G-H-T-Y-O-R-M-I-S-O-N-E on Twitter. Your faithful Tertial Radio crew, we come back next week. We got training camp preview, an actual preview, not the preview, 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 not the preview, preview, but the actual preview. Just preview. We made it. Real, real we, just preview. the preview. We crossed the desert, yeah. man. Football's back, baby. Miles Simmons, Bo, football yeah. is back. We did it. Go Rams. How about you, boys? See ya. Yeah. Here, I'm a puppet eyed man. If Eric can't get it, I will and I can. I'm strong as it comes, but I've got a brain. And stopping me is like stopping the train. I'm Carly, the general of the D. I make the calls, I'm the coaching LB. This motorcycle, this has got style and class. If you come my way, I'll knock you on your ass. The name's intimidated. I pass it my way, I'll see you later. Quick on my team, the ladies agree. Before they know it, they'll ram it with me. The ice man coming, the roar is the name. I cover the corner, interception's my game. Score more than anybody else on the D, cause I move like a cat as you will see. The guys got me take a set of dicks, son. I lead the range, I'm the ram top gun. They say I'm as smooth as a runner can be, even sweetness and the others are talking about me. I like to dance and have a lot of fun when it comes to ladies who want a brainy one. But enough about me, we hit a ram it, you see. If you ram it just right, you can ram it all night. According to his Wikipedia page, Peter North had a book published in 1994, A Guide to Meeting and Betting Beautiful Women, entitled Penetrating Insights. See you next week, everybody. Go Rams. My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fulltron. Keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, bears in video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.